bitch. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Bitch, the Chicago. Hi everyone, what's up and welcome to a new episode of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Patterson, and today I'm joined by a guest from the world of comics to dive into a staple dad movie from the peak dad movie era starring the ultimate dad movie actor. Yes, we're here today to talk about Patriot Games and joining me is comics critic, editor and creator, Claire Napier. How are you doing, Claire? Hello, I'm doing quite nicely, thank you. I've got a slight minor cold, but... Let's not worry, I'll, I'll struggle on. Like a dad would. And like a dad would soldier on, like Harrison Ford would <laughs> in any of his signature roles. And to be fair, of all the cold strains that you could get, slight mild, you know, it's, it's you True. know, they, they could be worse colds. But yeah, um, you've chosen, when, I, when, I, when we talked um, last week, because you mentioned that you wanted to be invited onto a podcast. Mm. Um, I followed you for a while because I really enjoyed Very your work tall, on um, Women Write About Comics. Um, and I was like, hey... I see an opening here for some dad movie conversation. So <laughs> we spoke. Um, as with most dad movie conversations, it naturally lent straight to Harrison Ford. And there were a few different films that came up. And Patriot Games is one of them that stood out to me because I love Tom Clancy books. Uh, well, I don't love them. I love a few of them. <laughs> uh, my, dad was, my dad was a big fan of um, the OG Clear and Present Danger um and that movie as well so that was kind of like my big tom clancy thing and there are a bunch mm. of tom clancy video games that came out in the early 2000s that i played a bunch and i just i'm a big fan of that like 90s military fiction kind of vibe because it's also it's a combination of like really tight taut political thrillers combined with a little bit of kind of like <laughs> that late 90s everything's great but what if it wasn't kind of energy <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, so yeah, wh- wh- why why do you want to talk about Patriot Games? Well, like you said, it's it's the one, right? Um, it's it's the dad movie. Um, it just well, I mean, it, there are a few dad movies that spring to mind, as as I mentioned, but um, this one stands out to me personally because I think it's so deeply a wife movie. Um, which is, of course, a, a facet of the dad lifestyle. But um, I, w- I watched it recently and I was just obsessed with the way that Anne Archer is, is wardrobed and, and costumed and everything. So I was like, yeah, I want to talk about that. Um, see, the, the, the main dad movie that my dad always watched was Air Force One, which, as I recall, doesn't really have any standout outfits. I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. Um... Yeah, so it was Anne Archer. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. And she's great in this movie. She has so many, like, fun moments. And and the thing as well, it's like, it's that... One thing that I will never get over as a Brit watching, like, American movies in the 90s, like, the size of the homes and the, 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 the wealth <laughs> that gets, like, put on yes. display here. And there is a great moment later on in this movie involving um, Anne Archer as, as Jack Ryan's wife, where after a pivotal moment of abject modern military horror takes place she puts on an outfit that i can only describe as being a massive flex on the people that have been like <laughs> traumatizing her and her family mm-hmm, for the entire mm-hmm. time um but yeah cool picture games and that kind of covers my other question which is going to be what to you as a dad movie um in a way unless there's anything you want to expand on that kind of that genre because it means different things to different people it does um in fact i was delighted to find out that um that you had this podcast and that it was so congruent with my impression of dad movies because the dad like the concept of the dad movie is something that i've had to explain to my sweetie um because we have we have not very different families but our families have very different perspectives on like entertainment media um, and to him, a dad movie is like Badlands or Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead or um, what else was that? Oh, Wild at Heart, um, which aren't really, air quotes, dad movies. Those are just movies. And he happens to be a dad, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like, but my dad, who, um, I mean, my partner's father is um also a university professor like mine but he was a dance professor my dad is a biology professor so like slightly different vibes right um he's not like super into um like he won't 
my dad would never read fan fiction, for example. I don't think the other dad that I'm talking <laughs> I'm about would either. But that. like the the <laughs> perspective on like what a film is is so um, it's just a film, you know. Like he will sit on the sofa in the evening, and if a film is on, he'll watch it. Um, and like he won't really profess any particular favor towards any particular film. But I, through observation happen to know that he is very partial to a dad movie although he's also very partial um to um just you know good movies but good movies that are very middle of the road no that sounds awful but i mean like the, the kind of movies that everyone loves like he will always watch the holiday he will always well he will pretend that he doesn't want to watch um home alone but if you put it on he will be giggling because that's um, just that's just Die Hard, but with a kid. Sure, so it right. makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I don't know if it's just the time of day that he happens to um, have nothing else to do but watch television, and that's the kind of movie that's on then. Um, but yeah, he has watched Air Force One so many times, um, and always denies that he's seen it before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a big fan of the Bourne movies. Um, oh yes. Classics. You know, like the 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 dad. He, another one that I always get mixed up with Air Force One is um, because it also has someone moving between two planes. Um, I just assumed it was the same movie because how many times can that happen? Uh, two, apparently, at least. It's called like important decision or something. Executive decision. Executive decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With um, uh, with Kurt Russell and Steven Seagal. <laughs> and a very early Halle Berry. Yeah. Um, yes yes yeah that that has i mean some of these movies aren't really on tv as much as they used to be so technically they fall in our favor but were they to return i have no doubt that he would be happy as a clam (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like i feel like these two in particular patriot games including present danger they get a lot of i i I, when i'm like because I don't really watch TV that much anymore. Um, mm. But when I ever like have something like yeah, no. So when I'm like scrolling, occasionally it'll be on, and because it's on, it's it's an event, so I have to put it on, even though <laughs> I could probably play a part in both this and Clear and Present <laughs> Danger at this point. Um, not as much to the extent that I as I know all the words to the Phantom Menace. It's not on that level of derangement yet, but <laughs> I could pretty much you know dive into this i'll know all the different the different parts and stuff but yeah you um, are Games. in reign of fire <laughs> <laughs> man that's a movie i haven't seen really well we should watch it i've heard matthew mcconaughey's <laughs> yeah and i should probably check that one out i have had that one recommended before um and i've only seen i've seen like a couple of videos about it and like matthew mcconaughey he, he's in it isn't he yeah and he's meant to Honestly, be like Honestly, i wild. don't remember <laughs> um nah. It's not that good, but it is stupid. <laughs> so, what's to lose, you know? Mm. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, Patriot Games, a sequel to John McTiernan's The Hunt for October, not directed by John McTiernan, directed by a guy called Philip Noyce. Um, Noyce. And, yeah, Noyce. <laughs> um, and the other big thing is that they replaced, obviously, Alec Baldwin played Jack Ryan in The Hunt for October. And Harrison Ford was originally considered for that role in that movie, but then they brought him in for Patriot Games because there was a little bit of studio kind of... uh, I'm trying to figure out the right word for here, but a lot of people weren't too happy with Bolden being in there. And then when Ford became available, um, Mm. they basically thought, well, if if Alec Bolden is asking for X amount of money and we could just go get Harrison Ford, why wouldn't we just get Harrison Ford? Which is not to to criticise Bolden, because I think he's very, very good in The Hunt for October, but... I think Ford is the better Jack Ryan. I don't know whether you fall on the the best Jack Ryan debate. Um, yeah, Alec Baldwin. Is it Alec Baldwin? Yeah, it is, is Alec it Baldwin. No, it Alec is, it's Alec, yeah, yeah. I did not like him as Jack Ryan. Um, because he looks too perfect. Um, like, teenagers, or not teen, like, teenagers are being written as calling hot people kind of a Baldwin. Um, in the 90s for a reason. They're sexy boys. Um, And that doesn't work with Jack Ryan, because, like, he's supposed to be unexpected, right? A dog. Not, like, fucking American James Bond. He's supposed to be... We would never have thought he would be American James Bond, right? Alec Baldwin is obviously James Bond. (laughs) Yeah, totally. The reason why I find Ford works so well for this is that, you know, he... 
he settles he, he had a lot of similar Ryan-ish roles where he was playing like um the unassuming hero or the every man thrust into an extraordinary situation like before mm-hmm. no after after Patriot Games even we have the fugitive um mm. and then um crikey I'm, I'm forgetting others but there are definitely other ones in, throughout the 90s where he settles into that kind of archetype but he does he does jack ryan so well and I, I agree i think the reason why is because jack ryan to me is always a nerd he's meant to be the nerd agent like mm-hmm. he's he he's a former naval historian um with some military background but by and large he's a cia analyst so he does a lot of sitting on his desk preparing yeah. presentations um and just so happens to get sucked up into these awful situations like pissing off Sean Bean um and yeah and... he's he's also um like he's married right he's got a kid he like he's dad core um <laughs> which can't like no offense to dads okay but if you're too sexy you don't seem much like a dad and Harrison Ford whilst I will freely admit he he was pretty foxy in his prime. He is past his prime at this point. He looks tired and he mumbles all the time. Um, it's it's simply more appropriate, right? Like yeah. for the for like the way that we're supposed to understand the character, especially in this movie where he's like retired, not like from old age, but he's left the CIA. He's not doing that anymore. It's like uh, I'm a dad now. I'm a little over the hill. I'm not as relevant as I used to be. Like y- y- you've got to put that all the way through and that's something actually that this movie does really well um everything is like all the way through the movie it's riddled with its own sense of purpose it moves like a mechanism and everything 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 contributes to that the costuming the casting the environments just like the whole thing it's it's kind of technically a perfect movie um like it just functions so well And I think that that's another reason why it will appeal to dads, because you really don't have to do any work to watch it. You can just sit there and let it go and have like a fully realized experience without doing anything at all. It's like it's a proper movie in a way that I mean, I just watched Mandy last night. Right. I've not seen that That one yet. It's not finished. Like (laughs) there's some great film craft. It looks nice. There are some cool like visual ideas. There is some good casting. But it's not, it's not like the story, the narrative, the expression, it's not fully workshopped. They should have taken more time before they actually made it to make sure that everything fitted together and the thematics were all central and all supporting each other and everything worked in the way that a movie like this does. Because, like, it wasn't a big deal by accident, Patriot Games. It's finely tuned. It, like, it... It may not be, um, like, I wouldn't say it's politically perfect. I wouldn't say that I want people to be making movies exactly like this now. But it does deserve its place in, like, the 90s canon because it is a fully realised movie experience. Yeah, I would definitely describe it as functional. Like, it feels very, very competently put together. And using those words maybe makes it sound as if I'm, like, downplaying it. And I will freely admit that this is, like, of the 90s... um, ryan movies this is like my least favorite of the bunch but by saying that like, i don't mean it's a bad movie i just think that like there are there are bigger strengths you know hunt for october is this great epic cold war thriller and then with clear and present danger you kind of have them diving into the iran contra allegory and of course you have willem dafoe as well and he's brilliant in that one um but yeah no it definitely feels like it's very functional and, and one thing that i do like about patriot games as well is that even though the political dynamics aren't very restrained and are a bit kind of like (laughs) (laughs) that's a bit a bit funny um the the violence and the approach to violence is something that i i really respect in this film because obviously you do have those those slightly over-the-top action sequences especially in the third act which does devolve into kind of a generic action movie type fare but mm-hmm. the one thing that i i find most appealing about this movie and it, it's a similar thing to what i like about clancy's fiction um is the kind of like going into that burgeoning era of modern warfare where technology was becoming like instrumental in it and this mm-hmm. movie by far has one of the most haunting depictions of that where you know after after they've been hunting 
you know, um, Sean Bean and, and the, the IRA shoot off that has been lashing out at Ryan and his family. Um, it's when they, they're, they're combing for the different terrorist camps in Libya and they, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they send the SAS death squad after one of them. And mm. they're watching it on a live stream. And, and, and Jack is very, very kind of like haunted by it. And I think, I don't think it's Ted Raimi. I think it's a different character. He, they, they see one person get shot and he's like, that's a kill, sips coffee. And the other mm-hmm. fun fact about that scene, I'm rambling at this point, but the other fun fact about that scene is that <laughs> it, um, so I think James Horner did the music for this as well. Um, did. And um, the music in that scene, it recycles um, the opening music you hear in Aliens when Ripley's oh. drifting through space. So they literally, it's the, ex- if you listen to them side by side, it's the exact same thing, which, you know, it, it, I can't, I can't, I can't knock the hustle. I think it's really good. <laughs> it really fits the scene. There's a, um, I mean, yeah, like it's kind of pre-drone warfare, isn't it? Um, which is something that I honestly don't know if it's made it into like a lot of pop culture because um, I haven't watched it. <laughs> like I, I don't watch a lot of like army war movies um, because I don't think they're very interesting. Um, but yeah, there's a book, um, A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ezeki, um, where like the creepy traumatic nature of being a drone pilot not a, not no not a drone pilot because that would be like exploitative um the guy who invented the thing that allows you to be a drone pilot um is really messed up by it and it's kind of like it's strange it's not like reassuring to see that being acknowledged in movies it, it's it's almost worse because like if everyone if it's so obvious that that's creepy to everyone that, that that it's in Hollywood movies, they're still doing it. That's like a little hard to sit with, even in the midst of like an intrigue plot. Yeah, totally. I, I totally get that. And I think like, yeah, there is a degree of of uncomfortableness there. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I don't know if we glossed over the synopsis for this or not. I think we did. But yeah, Patriot Games. So anyone who doesn't know what Patriot Games is, A, why are you listening to this? You should go watch it because it's a fun time. Um, but yeah, it's the sequel to Home Friend October and it involves Jack Ryan um, coming out of retirement after inadvertently uh, thwarting an IRA attempted assassination of is it the, the Queen's like royal... The Queen Mother's Cousin. Queen Mother's Cousin. The, you know, the most important member of the royal family. The queen, the queen mother's cousin. Um, you know, the... I, I, I don't know if it's like a tangent to mention here, but that's not the same in the book. No, it's not. Yeah, you. No, it's the, you can totally go into that. <laughs> it's it's the it's the Prince of Wales. Yeah. Um, which apparently, um, I haven't read it, but I looked on Wikipedia. Um, you know, research. Um, apparently, like, it it doesn't say Prince Charles, but it does say the Prince of Wales, and that is who the Prince of Wales is. So yeah, in like the alternate version of this movie, which where it, it's it's a, a more faithful adaptation, you've got um, not Prince Charles like fighting alongside Jack Ryan, the CIA cool guy, and like, his dissing a terrorist, <laughs> um, which is ridiculous, obviously. But it also um, I'll I'll come back to this later because there's more to say about that and I don't want to distract from the uh the synopsis. No no no, it's it's all it's all part of the, the podcast journey. I this this series is basically like I, I, I always kind of take an erratic approach to it and zigzag back and forth, but it all makes sense in the end. Um but yeah, he basically thwarts an IRA attempted assassination and inadvert well not inadvertently, quite deliberately kills Sean Bean's brother um in the course of the action. I actually have to quarrel with you again already um because it's not an ira assassination it's an offshoot isn't it yes they are very like that's the whole like political um tenor of this movie and it relates to the, the uncomfortability that you mentioned because it is very very careful to keep this movie comfortable for the it's perfect view of the apolitical dad um it's not the ira they think it is but it's not. It's some worse people who are actually technically betraying the IRA by being this bad. 
But um, this is, so, I would say it's true to real life as well. Like with the different IRA splinter cells. Like you had like the provisional and then you had the real IRA and then you had the different IRA. So in the grand canon of IRA, I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying here because it is trying to, it's trying to have its cake and eat it. Um, but yeah. it, it does feel in a way, you know, it, there is a historical basis for that is the only thing I would sure, say. Sure, there is yeah. for sure. But um, that's not what it's trying to tap into. It's trying to uh, to get out of uh, making any firm stances. It's strange to evoke a current political situation and then completely wuss out of... I mean, it's not strange. It's just kind of shitty. That's um, what video games do all the time. You know, you hear it more and more yeah. recently. They have the whole idea of, oh, video game has no political context. What's the Ubisoft, the Ubisoft uh, defense mm-hmm. is what, what it should be called. But yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of part of the functionality of the thing because it wouldn't be so effective as just, just a movie if it did actually attempt to, like, discourse with reality. Um, but it also it shows out in the way that the the one woman in the um, the splinter cell I guess we'll call it um, is not Irish. She's from Yorkshire, which was confusing whilst watching until you get to the point where the actual IRA guy is like she's not even Irish, so I'm going to betray this splinter cell that is not us, but is Irish because I don't care about her because she's not Irish and therefore the, the the movie gets to continue going because the mechanism completes itself. Like, we need that information and we can't get it from him because he wouldn't want to betray them but then he doesn't mind betraying her so then we can have it and then we can continue going. It's, it's like, it's quite mercenary in narrative terms. Um, it's, it's not really what I would call artistic um, which isn't a criticism. It's well, I mean, it's a criticism. It's just not a negative criticism. It's just a, like an an accurate criticism, I suppose. It dances a great deal, and yeah. in a, in a funny way, I think it does say more than it intends to. Because I do think that the Ryan family are characterized as extremely traditionally English, um, which chimes with with the politics of the book. Like I said, like Prince Charles, technically. I mean, nominally, because the Prince of Wales was his actual title. Um, like, he's a hero. He's an action hero in the book. Um, the the writer is aligning himself with the English establishment. And so much of the visual stuff, um, like the, the lifestyle um, present in the Rhine's family, is so sort of English. Look, like, he's constantly wearing tweed. Um, they are in England at the start. Well, not right at the start, but they go there. Um, his daughter has a school with a uniform. I can't remember all of the details, but there's so many of them that are like that sort of preppy American conservatism that comes from looking at England and um, like reboiling English aesthetics and like aristocratic aesthetics. And I mean, he gets like a medal, right? He's he's made a knight or something. <laughs> yes, he, he like, is. The Ryans are clearly on the side of England in like metatextual sense. It's interesting as well because this all predates what I would, you know, would usually call the you know the the Brit resurgence in the late nineties. Like this is pre pre New Labour, pre Spice Girls. But yeah, no, that is an interesting and like thing that I hadn't really considered. Um, is is that kind of like special relationship type dynamic to mm. the book and and to the to the actual film itself? Um, which you know that this quote unquote special relationship had been established post World War Two, but it's had its ups and downs in terms of the um, the the how much one partner is willing to recognize the other. Um, and yeah, no, it's 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 inter- It's it's one of those that I find, you know, I don't I don't want to get too mired in the politics of the actual you know history of it because there's a lot to go into there um and this is a podcast about dad movies um but the whole like you know john mctiernan didn't want to do this movie because of his irish american background uh mm-hmm. and and you know it is it, it it's just fascinating looking at that american relationship with the ira yeah. and then coming through with the biggest piece of fiction coming out of that you know you get stuff like the devil's own as well later in the 90s by by alan right, Pacula. Yeah. um but with this it's yeah this is this is like the, the biggest kind of hollywood statement about the troubles 
and it comes away yeah. kind of from this angle. And again, like, you know, it, it definitely, like we said before, it kind of has its cake and eats it. It, it, it takes that kind of, well, it's, it's like that, but it's not kind of approach to it. Um, but yeah. But it does have violent Irish baddies who mm-hmm. die and that's good. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, it tries to step out of itself, but it doesn't actually succeed if you look at it for air quotes too long, mm-hmm. which we have all, I'm sure, been encouraged not to do um, <laughs> from time to time in our lives. But yeah, it's like, it's quite a um, a CIA-like sidestep, really, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, so, back to the synopsis. <laughs> so, <laughs> after, after inadvertently, well, not inadvertently, deliberately shooting um, Sean Bean's accomplice, um, during this this attempted murder of the Queen Mother's cousin, um, Jack Ryan basically has a big court case in in the where he's you know he, he goes and and points at at Sean Bean and is like this is the man that I saw attempting to murder a member of the Royals. He gets the the knighthood. He returns back to the states, um, and lo and behold, Sean Bean manages to break out of prison. And we see a little bit more of the 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 kind of the establishing this as a splinter group of the IRA because you have that whole different um, the the factional element. Um, they they break Sean Bean out, and they're all like, "Well, we want to go do more kind of terroristy things." And then Sean Bean's like, "No, I want to kill. I want to kill Jack Ryan." me murder Jack Ryan because he killed my brother. <laughs> um, and it's so funny because the continuity here, it makes no sense because they're on the boat to the little training camp in Libya. And then he just <laughs> shows up in the States with his, his IRA friends, like trying to kill Ryan's wife and daughter. And I'm like, how did, how did he get there? How did Sean Bean get from there to there? Um, but yeah, they, they basically try, they try and start messing with Ryan's, Ryan's life uh, and we have that whole sequence where after um, Kathy Ryan is uh, has done the, the operation and she picks up um, the daughter oh from God. school and in the Porsche and they're there driving home and then Sean she Bean's in the so van. She is so perfect like <laughs> she is so like both in real and in textual terms like she is just the ideal wife like it like it like it's a form of being she understands her husband always. She supports him always. She, like, is the sort of shadow puppet for his emotions always. She challenges him to do things that will be useful for the plot always. She is a surgeon as well. She always has perfect, gorgeous hair. She has all these cute little outfits. She's not too sexy she's like wife decent but she's gorgeous she has like a silk satin nighty for some quick parent sex (laughs) everything every scene every everything she's just like perfect and ideal like she makes me want to buy perfume you know (laughs) like she's she's like the platonic idea of an ideal wife for a sensible married man with like good American morals. Good American wife guy morals. Yeah. It's it's uncanny. Like it it distracted me from the whole of the movie the first time that I watched well, the first time that I recently watched it. That I would sum up the movie in terms of her. Like it's about the the beautiful stoicism of a perfect wife. Like he can only function, he can only be Jack Ryan, because she's so wonderful and steady, and like not too steady. She has her own job. Oh, but she is actually incredibly good at it and steady in that as well. Like she's doing what's she doing? Like a, an operation on like the eyes of a child yes. or something? Yeah, I think there was could some kind of car crash or something. Could she be any more perfect? Yeah. She couldn't. It like it goes so far and it's so dedicated and committed. That's the word, committed. It's committed like a husband should be committed to a <laughs> to wife. An archer. It's it's like <laughs> the the politics of the movie are about her and the home, the domestic sphere of a professional man. It's so nineties. Like it's so nineties. 
right? Yeah, no, I would totally agree. And she also gets the kick-ass moment where she basically is like, kill them. <laughs> kill them all. Yeah, so she's <laughs> perfect all the time. She changes as soon as he needs her to change. Originally, she wants him to retire. He can spend more time with the family. Have a nice time. Enjoy her. Have the parent sex. Then later, when he wants to go back to his job, she's like, go back to your job. she will always be what he wants her to be and but it puts it across like she's always what he needs her to be it's it's very like subtle the purpose of a woman stuff but it does it with such panache like her ponytails are all so low do you know what kind of like innate elegance you need to pull off a low ponytail it's hard because if you move your body too much the scrunchie will fall out your hair it's it's hard. Like I can't have, do like, that. Bird like balance in the neck. <laughs> yes, and she and and like when she's going out for a blustery walk, she's got a big, thick leather, like beautiful oh, soft leather, as well. like heavy jacket. She wears a shawl in the first scene, like a big camel coat with a shawl. My mum had shawls like that. It like it it. She is the mum to the dad of the movie. One hundred percent. She just, she does not put a foot wrong. And it's so finely made that I sit in awe, frankly. I she, do. Has, she has the best smile as well, by the way. It's like, just, I was like, <laughs> it's so, it's so cheeky, but also warm. That's the, it's the, the whole, dem- the domestic scene described by this movie is so warm. And it, you know, it serves mm. to con- contrast with the brutality of being a spook. Yeah. And, and terrorism. Yeah. But it's. Um, um... I still want what Jack Ryan has. I still want the big house and the, of course, the big coats of course, and the big yeah. scarves. He makes it look so appealing, right? <laughs> like the the scenes later on where where everyone they think they're safe and everyone comes over for dinner, and she's the perfect hostess. She's giving everyone their seats and their place. She's got her hair up because it's a party, but not too up because she, like she doesn't want to be distracting. She's just welcoming. She's a host. When the power goes out, she has glasses to go over the candles so they won't blow out. Do you understand how prepared that is? And she gets the I use candles all the time. <laughs> I don't have those. <laughs> but she's ready. She's ready for anything. And she even has like that that fit in that scene is the busting out the green dress after your husband has sent the death yeah. squad after the, yeah. the, the the Irish radicals that have been <laughs> tormenting you. It's such a it's one of the best action movie flexes, I think. It needs to be, it needs <laughs> to be subtle, spoken about right? more yeah. Exactly, it needs to be spoken. I don't know if it's a deliberate choice either, but when I when I watched it the last time, which was a few weeks ago, um, I was just like, no, that that feels deliberate to me in a way. Like I couldn't. Everything just, else just is so in. engineered. Yeah, like it has to. Like her her outfits are always exactly what you need to understand the scene. Like um, when they're going outside in the blustery weather, she's got the big jacket. When they're doing the English tourism, she's got the camel coat and the big sensible shawl. When she's um, telling, or not telling, but like implying to him that she's pregnant. She's got the perfect outfit for that. The perfect hairstyle. Her hairstyle changes with every outfit. It's always chosen to be exactly right. Then when they're doing, like, the pancakes bit, she's got a lovely smock on. Like, she's not showing. She's not, like, visibly pregnant, but she's wearing a smock that flares because that's what pregnant ladies wear in the 90s. Like, everything is always about telling the story, reinforcing the narrative. So I don't know how it couldn't be in that scene. Like, it, it... they must have done that on purpose. And if they say they didn't, I think they're lying. Yeah, I think we should hold Philip Noyce to account on, on that. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to track him down and ask. <laughs> um, Do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like after after the attempted hit on Ryan and, his, and Ryan's child, and Ryan himself, at which point we meet, we meet Samuel Jackson as well, who this is one of his earlier like, big, like, starring roles, because he'd had a few minor ones beforehand. Um, he he has, like, a tiny, tiny part in Goodfellas. Um, but Patriot Games, like, that is, that is to me, the the arrival of Samuel Jackson as, like, an mm-hmm. action, like, you know, the, the biggest movie star in the world. Like, he, he it's like, it's, it's such, not that anyone watching Patriot Games would have gone, oh, Samuel Jackson is going to go on and dominate everything forever. Because, you know, still had, you know, Pulp Fiction to come out and stuff and, and Jurassic Park, etc. Um, but I look at Patriot Games and I'm like, oh, this is like, he's 
this is this this was where it started. This is where it was like, mm. oh, he's a leading action guy. You know, he he's Ryan's old military buddy. They have that great kind of like first meeting, um, and then you have the whole finale bit where he's hunkered down with not Prince Charles um, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the the treacherous um, <laughs> PA, um, and he's he's, he's Capping baddies, and it's just great. Like it's so it's it's. Patriot Games will always be interesting to me as like that kind of early, not I don't know if you call it a shift because it was so early in his you know career, but certainly like looking at, at SLJ is like oh, big star Patriot Games is like the origin story in a way. I think it is a shift, um, but like a more cultural shift because um, the way that black actors were allowed to exist in movies um, was kind of... Sh- I mean, it, it's, it was always shifting. But, like, Samuel L. Jackson became Samuel L. Jackson after this movie. And in this movie, there are two uh, positive, like, supportive, established in the establishment black supporting characters. Whereas in the book, the black militants are the co-baddies with the IRA offshoot. It's a very different, um, like, framing of race between, like, as it becomes an adaptation, between the book format and the 1992 movie format. Like, the that choice to change that specifically and to put two black characters in a movie, which is, like, you still don't always get that. Um, like, tokenism was not a made-up phenomenon. It was, it was very real. Um... Like, to have that be the choice for this movie, we don't want to do black militants. We don't want to have them be the baddies. We do want to have black actors in this movie. We're going to make them part of America's establishment. Because Samuel L. Jackson is in the Navy, right? Mm-hmm. And, um... Shit, what's his name? I forgot. James L. Jones. Yes. Is in the CIA. Like, the absolute height of um, what a conservative racist would have to admit is, like, air quotes, better than you. Um, like, it, it makes that choice. It, that it's a, That's part of the political position of the movie. Like, it, it, it doesn't comment on what the book did. It doesn't, um, like, include any of it to create, like, a sense of balance or liminality or, like, um, subtlety. It's just, like, no, we, we acknowledge that black people are real, they are in this movie. They are good. That's it. It's kind of, like it's interesting as as a sort of low level marker. Talked about the um, the hit on the family. And at that point, you know, <laughs> after meeting with his wife again, she's like, "Kill them." He's like, "Well, I guess I'll just join the counterterrorism faction of the CIA, even though all of my background expertise on is on naval warfare. Uh, I can totally do this job." And my favourite part of this bit in the movie um, isn't that Ted Raimi is a part of that team. I really do love Ted Raimi, and I like that he is in this movie. It's the um, it's it's what's her face who is like <laughs> CIA veteran and she kind of welcomes Ryan into the team. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And I'm, I've just, she's always stood out to me on every single rewatch. I'm like, neat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, again, it's like saying, look at, look at how fine the CIA is. <laughs> like it, it knows old ladies can do jobs actually. <laughs> like, yeah, only one, but it definitely knows. It, it's relentless. Like it, it, it fills in all of the like the margins. The marginalia is fully annotated. Um, you're right. It's actually. Um, I don't want to get in the way of of the uh, synopsis again. <laughs> Please continue. No, this is this is why it kind of goes through. We go through the different things, but yeah, like um, that happens, and then um, they start tracking them down. Ryan's basically analyzing different just remembered the scene now so they're looking through different they're reviewing different satellite imagery and they're trying to track down you know the different area the the, the specific camp that that sean bean and his buds are hanging out at and then over a fact that there is a female co-conspirator because he's already had his meeting with richard harris's um politician um 
and God, I haven't even mentioned that Alan Armstrong's in this movie as well, which to me is a great signifier of it being Everybody's a fun in movie. This movie. Um, yeah, after that, and they're going through, and they they he asks he requests permission to do this the satellites on a different timing because somehow the the terrorist camps in Libya are aware at what time the satellites are going over, um, and they hijack it, and then they get the images back, and he realizes that it's the camp because he looks at it and. There's a lady, and Harrison Ford says in the most unhinged goblin-esque way ever, <laughs> tits. <laughs> I couldn't believe he said that. I honestly thought I must have misheard. <laughs> it's Unbelievable. A, it's to me, it it's the most it's the most quotable line in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's the way that that Harrison Ford gravel and the kind of just yeah. sinister yeah. smile on his face as he just lets it out. It It is honestly, like, if I do give myself time to, to think too much about it, it is honestly a little bit sinister because it it's so, by so far, the crudest thing um, said about any woman in the whole movie. Um, including in a scene where she pretends to be a prostitute and um takes off all her clothes in with like in that scene she's wearing full lingerie like she has a garter belt on that's incredibly unlikely um like the the, the conservative image of what is a woman is so bizarre but so subtle like it's so lush so lushly um like high-end department store so someone picking someone up in the pub in order to shoot them in the head is not going to put on a fucking garter belt. Are they? That's crazy. But she does. And, like, she's her wig is fantastic. And the um, the woman that Ryan sees with a very similar hair, I suppose, not supposed to be a wig. Uh, like, hers is fabulous. Everyone's hair... All the women's hair is fabulous. Um, and that's just... You didn't have to do that, you know? Like, it goes to such lengths to be like, women are glamorous creatures. They're wonderful. You know, they can do all kinds of things. They're sophisticated. Um, and then it has him growl tits. Like, that is out of place. That's, it, it's incongruous. But it, it kind of, like, it whispers, like, yeah, even the guys who pretend to be so classy, sometimes they're just going to say tits. <laughs> Like, you know, like, it's there. Like, it, 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 it reveals, I think, more than it's supposed to reveal. And more than it does reveal if you just watch it as a movie. Because it's just funny. It's, like, boobies. But, like, considered in, in like, the grand mechanism of the thing, it's creepy. Mm. Like, it, 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 it's so... We don't want to think of Jack Ryan that way. No, we want to think of Jack Ryan as ultimate Ann Archer wife guy. That's the only way that exactly. you should he shouldn't even know the word. Yeah. He should say bosom or <laughs> something like that, you know? Like... The version of that scene where it's sort of tits you saying bosoms, it's kind of <laughs> that's very funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what cons them onto their location. So he sends over the boys, and by the boys I mean the special air service, um, during a belabored scene with uh, with James Aldrin's where he's discussing the <clears throat> well, I can't be hundred percent sure it's there, and it's like, well, well, we'll never know, so let's just do it anyway, lol. Um, and they do, and then lo and behold, they've already exited the camp. And so after that situation has happened, they're all the 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 prince is like, hey, why don't we go over to the Ryan's place and we'll all have dinner and it'll be a jolly good time. And his assistant is like, so yeah, civilized. yeah, it'll be a great time. Yeah, uh, the boys are going to be in the in the house. So we we, we learn here that. The, the person who leaked um, the the Queen Mother's cousin's location um, is, in fact, in cahoots with Sean Bean's boys. Um, I'm just going to call keep calling them Sean Bean's boys because I think that's a great mm, group name. Yeah. Um, so they all go over to the Ryan's place. We mentioned that Kathy's got the, the, the green flex dress on. Um, everyone's over having a nice time. <laughs> Does it ever tell us why he is evil? Which what the 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 double the the double crosser? 
Yeah, I think, Hastings I from think, far right. I think there's an element of financial gain. I want to say there's some kind That's my of, assumption. I think there's some but, kind like, of... But, like, I don't yeah. actually remember them saying that. Yeah, well, I, I'm That just... could be the one... The one missing link. The one missing link, yeah. Well, yeah, so they're there, and then um, the Beans boys come over, they've cut the power, everyone goes hiding into the pe- into the basement... Um, and then the movie turns into typical action movie. You know, it's kind of like everything you expect. The, the whites are gone. Uh, although we do, we do have that another another iconic Catherine Ryan moment where um, she finds the shotgun, and I'm fairly certain it's implied that that Jack has misplaced the shells, which is just typical. Typical. So she she uses it like a club to take out one of the. She does. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, endlessly perfect. She can't put a foot wrong if she tried. And and she doesn't only wallop him. Her daughter sees and is like DreamWorks smirk. Yeah, like she she doesn't even frighten her own child when she is moved to violence. Everything is on her side. She is God's chosen wife. (laughs) So yeah, that happens, and then. Jack comes up with the genius idea to after after kind of luring them throughout the house um, to basically do a diversion and do do a little switcheroo where they he heads out on a speedboat um, and so everyone pursues them because they're there really to assassinate the the Queen Mother's cousin again but Sean Bean doesn't care about the Queen Mother's cousin at all he just wants Ryan he just wants Jack. So they go after him. They realize, wait, it's just the one guy on there. Maybe we've got to turn around and get and get you know the royals. We to get the royals, and then Sean Bean just goes feral. And he just he just it it just, he goes into into berserker rage and um, kills his He's friends. Selfish. Just kills his friends, yeah. and then and then we have that. It's not actually about politics at all. No. In no. the end, we are reassured it's just about being a bad boy a good old-fashioned blood feud you know we all we all need them every now and then <laughs> so yeah they Absolutely. have they have their duel on the boat i forget the weapon that is used in this in this bit it's not like an anchor it's something else isn't it that they they wield and it, i yeah i don't know what it is either yeah it's a large double prong yes Maybe I just don't know enough about boats. Oh yeah, it's the little thing that you use to... to, It's the thing you use to, like, if you're stuck, to, like, move the boat off the banks, I think. Someone with boat expertise will probably tell me what that device is I wouldn't have imagined that to be pointy, but needs must, I suppose. I'll dig it in, I guess, maybe. But yeah, they have their fight, and, um, and Jack gets the upper hand, kills Sean Bean, Bob's your uncle... Well, accidentally. Well, yeah. Which is know. so crazy. Like, it's that's so bizarre Hollywood. Mm. Like, he has killed people already. Mm-hmm. He's murdered them on purpose. Um, he's told us that he did it because he was feeling pure rage. But in the climax of the movie, he pushes Sean Bean off himself, self-defense. Sean Bean falls onto a spike that Harrison Ford did not place there on purpose. Mm-hmm. It, it, it It's so... Um, Look, this guy's innocent. We don't need him to be innocent. Yeah. He's in the CIA. So the other interesting thing about this is that this was not the film's original ending. So they, they did have a oh. different ending that test audiences didn't like because it wasn't action heavy enough. So the original ending was like kind of a little bit more understated. So we get this one with the speedboats and the explosions and the big fist fight on the boat and stuff. Um which to me has always stood out as being the most weirdly bolt-on addition to this movie. Like it does feel like a completely different movie once we get into um, that action brain mode. Um, yeah. It is a little fantastic, isn't it? But yeah, but yeah, that is that's Patriot Games. Maybe we've covered all the Patriot <laughs> Games now. Um, Claire, what what do you what do you think of the movie overall? Then is it how does it rank in your <laughs> in the standing of dad moviedom? Pretty high. Because of the beautiful stoicism of the perfect wife. Um, it's just like, it's so bold, it's so naked um, in its desire for the comfort of a supportive and elegant woman. Um, like, politically, I object to that. And that's why I enjoy seeing it. Because you can't, like, fight something that is invisible, right? You have to know what people are actually after. Um, 
But also, I, I like looking at her hair. <laughs> <laughs> hair goes swoosh. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's high up. It's, um, in terms of, like, non-erotic thrillers, it's probably top five. If we're, you know, from the 90s specifically. Um, because it just it's just such a smooth mechanism. It's, it's a finished film. <laughs> I would agree that it is a movie. I would agree. Um, but yeah, I think, that, I think that covers everything. Claire, you do have a new comic coming out, um, which I imagine you want to promo here. Um, if you want to tell my listeners a little bit to. about it. Um, it is, in fact, a fully erotic thriller. Um, it's a horror romance. Um, it's 40 pages. It's about um, looking at the world as a girl and deciding what you want from it. Um, and it's going to fund on Zoop, which is a crowdfunding platform, from Valentine's Day. Um, and I would very much like it if uh, all of you listeners would come and give me some of your cash. In exchange, of course, for my lovely and interesting and um, quite pointed comic book. <laughs> so what's it called? It's called The Magic Necklace. Cool. That's a good point. Yes. Got, <laughs> SEO brain is kicked in here. Uh, get the title. Thank you. I, yes. <laughs> yes, The Magic Necklace, and that comes out on Valentine's Day. Awesome. I did read, yes. um, I read the first few pages the other day, and I was, yeah, it's, it. yeah, I really liked it. It was, um, that kind of perspective was something that I thought was really fascinating. Um, and it definitely really gets you into you. the the headspace of that character um and i thought the art as well was really cool um but yeah awesome so that comes out on valentine's day and um, before we go before we sign off i want to give a quick shout out to our patrons thank you josh brown shaka thomas Mulgrew, and george jackson um, remember you can go and support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash wheel of dad movies and follow the wheel of dad movies podcast on twitter at wheel of dad movies and of course you can follow me on twitter at you and ruins things claire where can they find you out and about <laughs> in the in the plains of the internet oh um i'm on twitter as well at illus claire i-l-l-u-s-c-l-a-i-r-e um i am on tiktok at claire napier okay um my website is clairenapier.com and if I've forgotten anything, it's probably linked from there. So <laughs> There we go. Oh, cool. Well, um, thank you everyone for listening and thank you to Claire for, for joining us. It's been a pleasure to hear your Patriot Games takes. Um, and if there's ever a dad movie that you want to talk about in the future, um, or just maybe even just start a new podcast called The Anne Archer <laughs> in Patriot Games podcast. Yeah, maybe. And we'll, we'll go frame by frame for each fit and each hairstyle. <laughs> we could. I drew every single hairstyle that she had in my notebook while I was watching because they're just all... Mwah. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I've Bro. had a good time. Cool. Yeah, so we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.